Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what is popping? It is hella raining outside. It is dark and gloomy. Sunny Florida is not so much. Sunny? Not so much sunny. This weather's garbage. Yeah, you know what's not going to be garbage, though, is uh, I'm going to have a chance to head out to sunny Calavada. You ever been to Calavada? Was that California and Nevada? Yeah, a little Lake Tahoe action. Mm, Nor have I. I haven't been out there yet. But I'm looking at my weather app, and it looks like it's going to be a high of 56 and sunny. So you're skiing? I hope so. Mm. I'll be snowboarding. I'm going to be snowboarding. Wife and daughter are going to ski. My son tells me he's going to snowboard, and I said, no, you're not. Real snow? Or is it like that fake shit they pump out? Um, what's interesting, I read a weather report where they got dumped on early on in the season, so they have a great base, but I don't think it's been snowing a whole lot out there, so I'm sure it's going to be a combo of a good base with some of the fake shit. You're going to get out there, it's going to be warmer than Florida, because you know next week is supposed to be cold here. It's supposed to be 30 degrees next week. I know, and I'm jealous, because I like cold weather. Do you? Yeah, I prefer it. Cold-ish. I like sunny and cold. Like, 56 and sunny is amazing. We're going to go some great hikes. Nice. Yeah, snowboarding, I'm a little bit cautious. Mm-hmm. I've heard spring skiing's legit and it's where it's at, but I really don't know because I've never done it before. You know, I know you, and there's some, there's some other things that you like. You know what else you like? What else do Talking I like? Talking about appraisal gap strategies. Jesus does. Christ. Are we really going to do this, John? Literally. I mean, you need some kind of way to vent out your anger today, so I guess this would be the best way. It's not even anger. Look, appraisal grabs. I can't even Listen, say it. Hey, I be, can't hey, even say before it. Before we get started, shout out to homie Greg from Jungo for uh, sending us our new centerpiece. Oh, check those, this thing out. Yeah, yes. for those of you uh, watching on YouTube. Yes. Black Skimmer Bourbon. Yeah. From, it's it's from Cutwater, yeah. which I think Cutwater has a um, – they have like one of those – like what's um those – seltzer type drinks oh, okay yeah 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 so so cutwater has a seltzer i didn't know they also made made a bourbon mm-hmm. or a whiskey yeah yeah so greg hit us up mm-hmm. on linkedin he's a fan of the show he works at jungo uh jungo is a fantastic crm mm-hmm. uh platform why do i know it's fantastic because i use it Facts. yep i use it it's one of probably three or four out there that i would be willing to use but jungo is currently our drug of choice mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting. Greg was a listener before mm-hmm. he was actually a Jungo associate. He just joined them. I think he's now their head of marketing. Yeah, marketing director. Yep. But um, he hit us up and said, hey, what's your mailing address? I want to donate a centerpiece. Yeah, so here it is. Yeah. yeah. In fact, guess what Greg's favorite episode is? Which one? The one we did on CRMs. What do you know? <laughs> what do you know? A marketing guy loved the episode <laughs> yeah, that we did back on CRMs. Nice. So, no. So we're going to talk about appraisal grap- God, oh God, uh, bro. crap. Bro, we're going to talk about crap right now, John. Appraisal gap strategies. Appraisal Dustin. gap strategies. So, uh, for, for the record, as one would say, when people say stuff like when they're not lying, I guess that's the preface it. You don't like talking about this. You don't like it because why? No, it's played out. Everyone's talking about this. Okay. It is played out. I am not going to say something unique today. Okay. I'm not going to say something that's going to be like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Okay. And if I do then that's going to be every reason why we have to do this episode. Okay, yeah. Because that means that we still touch an audience that maybe others don't. Mm-hmm. 
So for that, you were able to convince me that this was going to be a good topic. Yeah, I knew. Because when you broached it, I was like, nah, get the F out of here. Yeah, and I was like, like, oh, there's some emotion and passion there. Let's dive deeper into that emotional (laughs) scarring. What's going on here? Usually you want to like wind me up and let me go. Today you wanted to kick me in the balls Uh, and spit in my face and laugh at me. No, just because I said save the passion for when the cameras are rolling. Because you're right. You said too many talking heads are talking about it. But for someone like a novice like I, I don't even know what the hell an appraisal gap strategy is. So why don't you enlighten me? Okay, I will enlighten you and everyone who is tuned in thus far. And by the way, appraisal gap strategies. If you're a realtor, you should listen to this. If you are looking to purchase a home, you should listen to this. If you have a home to sell, you should listen to this. If you finance homes for a living, you should listen to this. Sounds pretty important to me. Yeah, it it, it touches on a lot of people out there. Uh, We are in a market currently where there is a super duper short supply okay and that super duper short supply isn't going to just woof one day magically have a plethora of supply and mm-hmm. when i'm talking about supply i'm talking about a supply of homes yeah. so because of that simple fourth grade education in social studies class when you talked about supply and demand when there's less supply and more demand do prices go up or go down Less supply, more demand, prices go up. Prices go up. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like why if this was a bottle of Pappies, Mm -hmm. you could buy a bottle of Pappies for $400 at your local liquor store, Mm -hmm. but you're never going to find it. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you pay $1,600 in the secondary market. Right. Right. I remember my niece. And when my niece was, I I remember my niece because she was on the show, but I was going to tell a story. I remember when my niece was 17 and she wanted to go to Justin Bieber. Mm Mm-hmm. And I told her I would buy her Justin Bieber tickets because I'm the ticket king and yeah. I know how to work the ticket system. And then you went online and saw the price. I could have bought them <laughs> if I was the fortunate one for $90 through Ticketmaster. Right. Or they cost $390 for nosebleed. <laughs> right. Right. Because the secondary market, the law of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So when we look at our current housing situation, the law of supply and demand is very much a low supply of homes and a high demand. And we don't see that changing. Like in order for that to change, you're going to have to see home builders magically start finding cheap land, Mm -hmm. a plethora of cheap labor, cheap available products so that they can churn out a bunch of homes to keep up with the demand. Mm -hmm. Well, where's this demand coming from? Well, if you look at the babies that were born between, let's say, 1984 and 1996, there was more babies born in those 12 to 15 years than really any other time since the baby boomers of the late 40s, early 50s. Mm. So what that means is these people are coming of age. They're turning that ripe age of 32, which is the average age of a first-time home buyer in the United States of America. They want to buy homes. They're getting married. They're starting families. They're getting that big raise or that mm. big promotion at work. Like it's time for them to settle down and buy a home. Yeah. So it's not like the demand is going to diminish. So now it's a supply issue. So because of that, and because we don't see that really going away without some crazy catastrophic event. Now it's interesting. If you've been tuning in for the past two years, you'll always hear me use this analogy when I talk about geopolitical. And what's sad, because it has come true, is my go-to was always, well, we never know when Russia's going to bomb Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Right. We never know. And I said that because if anyone follows anything worldly, you have known for the past decade that Russia 
wanted mm-hmm. Ukraine back into the fold. Mm-hmm. They want that massive land, that those seaports, all that oil, all that wheat, all of those you know minerals and and so when we talk about like projecting out things we can never project is terrible things like World War Three. Mm-hmm. Who fingers crossed that's not going to happen, but you, you just can't. We couldn't have factored out COVID. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID came, what we thought was going to happen in the first six weeks, the exact opposite happened. So you definitely have pandemics and you have world events that could impact. Mm-hmm. But if they impact at that point, like even considering housing, yeah, it's, not, it's, it's a non-issue. Thought, yeah. Yep. So overall, we're going to have to understand how to operate in a world where there's low demand and there's there's very high. Other I'm way. sorry, other high, way around. High, high demand, uh, high demand low, low supply. So appraisal gap strategies is you need to know these for when, John, you go to buy the house, the house is listed for 300000 because that's what it's worth, mm-hmm. but it ends up selling for $320,000 to the highest bidder, mm-hmm. to the highest bidder. But unfortunately, it's only going to appraise at 300000 mm. Well, what do you do? Because when you're determining mortgage financing, mortgage financing is works off of a down payment, a loan to value, and that loan to value is going to be derived off the lower of these two things, appraised value or purchase price. So in this instance, if the purchase price was 300, I'm sorry, the appraised value was 300, Mm -hmm. but the purchase price ended up being 330. Well, we're going to derive your loan to value off of that Mm -hmm. $300,000 purchase price. Now, if you were putting down 20% and you wanted to continue to have an 80% loan to value, Mm -hmm. You now have to put down your 20%, which in this case would be $60,000, but you'd also have to come up with the money that you bid over the appraised value. So instead of a $60,000 down payment, it becomes a $90,000 down payment. What? Yeah, because we're, we as the lender are only gonna finance 80% of the homes appraised value, whichever is the lower of the two, so, appraised value yeah. or purchase So you got to come out, out of pocket for like the difference. The difference, yes. What? Yeah. yeah my, my friend Ben was talking about that. He's looking at homes in California. He's saying like out there, like homes are being over appraised by like $50,000 and what he was like more than, if not more. And he actually told me, that. I was like, yeah, man, you actually come out of pocket for what, you know, the difference is they won't finance just because it's over appraised. Well, I mean, you're, 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 you're offering, you're offering, price. Price, yeah, yeah. you're offering overpriced price. value. Yep. Damn. Yeah. So like we have to come up with strategies. So like mm-hmm. one strategy, the easiest strategy would be, okay, John, instead of me doing this loan for you at a 80% loan to value, let me do this loan for you at a 90% loan to value. So I'll, I'll lend you $270,000. So now you only need to put down 30,000 mm-hmm. plus you have to come up with the difference, which was 30,000. So your down payment is 60, which that was what your down payment was going to be to begin with. Mm. But here's the problem. You now, because your loan to value is 90%, not 80%, what does someone have to pay whenever they, they have a loan to value greater than 80%? There's a certain insurance. PMI? PMI. <laughs> so now all of a sudden you're paying PMI and PMI on a $270,000 loan may very well end up being $150 a month Ooh, or 200 bucks a month. Ooh, or mm-hmm. 250 a month. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Now, all of a sudden, is that home affordable to you? Mm-mm. It, it might, might not, not be. be. Yeah, it, might not it might not be. be. Now, the easiest solution is, hey, it is. Hey, John, I have good news, bad news. 
I know originally when you and I first had that conversation about you buying your first home and you were going to put down 20% for a down payment and we said your total payment was going to be $2,000. Hey, it's now going to be 2,300 because you're going to have to pay monthly mortgage insurance because in order to win the bid on that home, you had to offer the seller not what the home is worth today, but what it's going to be worth next year. Mm -hmm. You had to offer them $30,000 over. Hmm. Is there going to be like a halo effect from people like this overappraising, overappraising so much that let's say 10 years from now, homes are really not worth what they are? Is that my making sense? I don't see that at all. Okay. No, we don't have that going on. Right. You would have that going on if we didn't have low appraisals. Hmm. If appraisers were truly stating, well, homes are worth what someone's willing to pay. So if John Coleman's willing to pay three thirty, I'm going to appraise it at three thirty. I think by having a robust, highly regulated appraisal industry, we're actually keeping values in check versus the opposite. Mm-hmm. I think values are getting um, are increasing at a very fast pace because of the law of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So back on the appraisal gap strategy, you might not like that, John. Like that's the easy strategy. Hey, John, bad news, good news. Good news is I can still do a loan for you. Bad news is you now have to pay PMI. Well, you might not be able to afford that. So then I could say to you, well, hey, John, you don't have to pay monthly PMI. Maybe I have a way for you to buy out your PMI all at closing. So John, I know you're buying this home for 330. I know it appraised at 300. I know that you had $60,000 set aside to go towards down payment. I need you to still go ahead and put down your 60 grand. Your loan to value though is going to be a 90 loan to value, 90%, not an 80%. That means you're going to have to pay private mortgage insurance. Instead of me, I'm trying to factor this in my head. Like if I did 300,000, yeah, it would only be like 150 bucks a month. Instead of me adding 150 bucks a month to your payment, if you'd like, I can go ahead and just charge you an extra $3,000 or $4,000 at closing. And you'll never have to pay PMI. It's one lump sum, basically. One lump sum. Yeah, it's what's called a one-time buyer-paid private mortgage insurance. So that is a good Mm. appraisal gap strategy. What we're trying to figure out is how can I help the buyer still buy this home, still qualify for financing, and still keep their payment in a comfortable range? Because the minute the home appraises for less than what they are agreeing to purchase it, more than likely the seller is not going to lower the price. Because the seller has three backup offers. Because, John, in order for you to get your offer accepted, you're a one of eight or one of ten offers. Mm -hmm. The seller doesn't have to budge. They they are in the power seat. You are not in the power seat. So what we do on the lending and the finance side is we get creative with PMI. Getting creative with PMI to me is the number one appraisal gap strategy. It's the number one way for me to figure out, well, how can I find a way to yes? And how can I keep this going mm-hmm. now? I, so I've mentioned the, the option a would be, you just come up with the extra 30 grand <laughs> yeah. as if like easy. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah problem. Wave the magic wand. Yeah, sure. Hey, I'm still going to put down 20%, which is 60 grand, but I'm going to come up with the $30,000 appraisal mm-hmm. uh, shortage. Would that be like a gift fund? Could you do like a gift from mom or something? You could get a gift from family for most loan products. Okay. Maybe I could borrow against my 401k. Okay. Like that would be a way to raise the funds. Okay. But another way would be, okay, nope, I'm not going to come up with the extra 30 grand. Just go ahead and increase my loan to value from an 80 to a 90. I'll pay monthly PMI. 
Mm. But not everyone's going to be cool with that. So then the other option is, okay, drop my loan to value or increase my loan to value to 90. I'll still put down the 60 grand, but go ahead and just charge me $4,000 extra at closing and I'll buy out my PMI. Or maybe you could get the seller. Maybe the seller is willing to budge a little bit. They're not willing to budge by 30 grand, but maybe you can go back to the seller and ask the seller to contribute $5,000 towards your closing cost. Hey, seller, good news, bad news. Bad news is the home appraised at 300, not 330. Mm. The good news is, is the, the buyer really wants to move forward. So what the buyer's willing to do is if you can give a $5,000 closing cost credit, mm -hmm. they'll still buy the home for 30 grand more. And what, what you're basically going to do that use that $5,000 closing cost credit for is to buy out the, the oh, mortgage insurance. Yeah, okay. Because at the end of the day, this particular buyer knew that for the most part, their loan amount was going to be somewhere around 80% of 330. So as long as their cash to close is roughly the same mm -hmm. and their payment is roughly the same, then it lets them do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can get the seller to give you five grand, but you won't get them to get 30. Maybe they won't. Maybe they take the still pound sand, <laughs> at which point you have to ask your buyer, can you come up with a five grand to buy out your mortgage insurance? Or are you willing to take on monthly mortgage insurance? Or you can actually do what's called a split premium. What? Yeah. The hell is a split premium, Dustin? A little bit of both. Okay. So it'd be me saying to you, John, hey, John, look, it sucks that your appraisal came in 30 grand low. It sucks the seller's telling you to pound sand. And I know how much your wife has fallen in love with this home. And this home is in the perfect school district for your children. Mm -hmm. I know you really can't stomach the fact that your mortgage payment's going to go up by 200 bucks a month. Or I know it's going to be hard for you to come up with that extra five grand it's going to be needed to buy out your mortgage insurance. So let's go ahead and split the difference. Hmm. What if I can charge you $2,500 up front and only increase your payment by $90 a month? Hmm. Could we then find a way to yes to help you buy this home so your kids go to the school that they want to go to, so your wife lives in the neighborhood that she wants to be a part of, so the seller sells the home at the price that they're demanding? Mm -hmm. How can I help you do this, John? And every time when I look at appraisal gap strategies, for me, my go-to is playing with the LTV and it's getting creative with mortgage insurance. That's what I want to do. I obviously, in a perfect world, you'd go to the seller and be like, hey, homie, home appraised for 300 and not come 330. Come on, man, you're killing me, Smalls. Just come on, man. And then they would drop the price. Yeah, right. Laugh at you and say, get off my lawn. Yeah, well, you know, back in the day when you were the one and only buyer who had come right. through in the past six right, weeks. Yeah. yeah. So is it really like a market? I feel like when we talk about sellers, I feel like like kiss the knee, bend the knee, Targaryen. It feels like they have all the power and they're just like, yeah, they're just taking. John, my wife and I were just looking at a um, a beach home over in St. Pete Beach. Shout out St. Pete Beach, Paso Grill. Paso Grill. Yep, actually, this home was in Anna Maria Island. Okay, okay. And that, that market is hot, hot, hot. Like, yes, yes, on fire. Yeah. Hot. And super long story short, we, in order to have our offer entertained, okay, we would have gone 10% over purchase price, which is basically appraised value. Okay. Agreed to pay cash. Solid. Agreed to no inspections. Don't worry about that leak in the roof. And let the seller live in the home for three months rent free. Yo, shut up. I'm, I'm dead shut serious. Up. I am dead serious. Let the seller live in the house. He's so <laughs> Yes. 
Yeah, and this is a home that's on a like Grand Canal with a boat dock in the backyard that's a it's a half a mile walk to the beach. So when do you close? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Needless to say, we passed. We passed. What? Okay. Yes. And it's interesting because, you know, there are some strategies. There are some strategies. And maybe we do the next episode on those strategies okay. where we can talk about strategies for how someone can be a cash offer without necessarily being a cash offer. Delayed financing mm. is, is a fantastic tool to use if you have a more affluent buyer who has access to cash or capital, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily want to be gone from that money for a long period of time, mm -hmm. you can become a more attractive home buyer and a cash buyer by leveraging, whether it's your parents' assets, mm -hmm. whether it's your brother's assets or your own assets to purchase a home cash and then turn around after the fact and get a home loan on it. Oh, wow. Just just as an FYI. I used to do that at Old Navy. Buy the jeans, keep the tag on it, wear it once to the basketball game, and send it. Stop. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> possibly, <laughs> but not really. Yeah, no. no, no. This works a little yeah, bit different than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's called delayed financing. Okay. And we can do a quick episode on delayed financing um, because it, it'll it open people's minds to uh, some strategies, mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with your more affluent home, home buyer, which is someone who's buying a vacation home or a second-year residence tends to be more affluent. Right. And, you know, having to navigate these waters of it being extremely competitive. Because regardless if it's a first-time $250,000 three-bedroom, two-bath house or a $2 million beachfront property, mm -hmm. it's very competitive out there because of this whole supply and demand. You have to understand delayed financing strategies to get offers accepted, or you have to understand appraisal gap strategies. And as I stop and think of like, well, what are some other appraisal gap strategies that that we could utilize? I mean, my go-to as an originator have always been as it pertained to playing with the mortgage insurance. Hmm. Like, like that or raising the capital that is necessary. And then people are like, well, how can I raise the capital that's necessary? Right? Well, the ways that you can raise capital is a gift. Certain loan programs allow for it. Mm -hmm. 401k, you can borrow against a 401k. If you have another property, would you be willing to go get a home equity line, a home equity line of credit on said property, mm. and use some of that equity to to raise the capital needed to address the the gap? Mm -hmm. And then, if you have a buyer, or you are the buyer, or you're the realtor, and someone's freaking out about, oh my god, but I'm paying three thirty for a home that's worth three hundred, you have to factor into your decision making process. What are homes appreciating like currently in my market? What do they appreciate in January? What do they appreciate in February? What does the National Association of Realtors or what does the National Association of Home Builders or what does Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or the Mortgage Bankers Association, they all have economists. Mm -hmm. What do these economists predict is going to happen to home prices? What's Goldman Sachs economist going to predict? What is JP Morgan's economist? And if that economist and I'm, I'm going to tell you, the answer is somewhere between 2 and 16% appreciation. Mm. Let's say we went to the middle and said 7% appreciation. If you paid 330 today for a home that's worth 300, well, by the end of this year, that home's going to be worth close to 320. By the middle of next year, that home's going to be worth somewhere around $335,000. So for the most part, as long as you're not looking at buying this home to try to flip it or sell it quickly, mm -hmm. Yes, you are paying May of 2023's price to get the home now. 
Like that is what you are doing, but that's, that's something that has to go into the thought process. There's people last year who were freaking out. They're freaking out because they had to pay 10 or 20 grand above appraised value to buy their house. Yeah, but by now, it's right? Like, like we have a client bought up in Nashville, right? Bought up in Nashville, $500,000, home appraised at 475. Yeah. They paid $500,000. We went to Barry Habib's website. We used the, the, um, you have a calculator on there, like the cost of waiting. Mm -hmm. And on that calculator, we were able to determine that within nine months, their home, based on the average appreciation in their market, was going to be worth 500. Yeah. Well, a year and a half later, by the way, so the homes were 575. 575. Are there a lot of people like kicking themselves in the ass like, damn, I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for rates and then like buy Yes. <laughs> yes. You know when the best time to buy a house is? When you're ready. When you're ready is the best time to buy a house. My wife asked me that. Well, should we wait to buy a house? I'm like, what do you mean wait? No, we're waiting to buy the right house. Mm -hmm. Like that's the best part about buying a vacation property. I'm in no hurry. But it does bother me that I didn't pull the trigger three years ago. Three years ago, I would be paying 40% less for the same home. And you were, you, were you were skittish back then about? I just wasn't serious. Mm. It's difficult for me. I'm a pretty financially conservative person. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult for me to pull the trigger on a large purchase if I can't find value in it. Mm. Um, like I blow money buying shots at the bar, yeah. right? You and I have been on craps tables together. You see me get loose. Monopoly money. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, there's certain things like I won't pay $10 for a bag of m &Ms. Oh, I know. I've seen you spend like three to five hours of your life arguing with the Southwest over like a $25 credit. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's about principle. It's <laughs> truly about principle and value. I look for value. Yeah. And I get a lot of value buying shots at the bar. Yeah, I get a lot time. of value having a great time, time yeah, yeah. whooping it up yeah. on the craps table. Yeah. But no, me buying a home, a luxury item, which is a second home, and not getting value, no, I wasn't in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Now, I wish, in hindsight, yeah, I wish I pulled the trigger. My goodness, hmm. there's hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars of wealth I could have generated hmm. if I would have bought the darn thing. But I didn't. Um, and every day I don't buy, I kind of see the prices continuing to go <laughs> right, up. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I need to understand today's episode was about appraisal gap strategies. I'm sure I didn't touch on all of them. You know, I didn't prepare for this. You came in. I know we've had some people up on TLOP online that were asking us, you know, to do some more, what I call geeky, mm -hmm. um, relevant mm -hmm. topics about appraisal gap, gap strategies. Just know this. If this is your first time hearing about appraisal gap strategies, dude, do that. You can Google it. Google appraisal gap strategies, use this forum and this content to at least open up mm -hmm. your, your brain, open your eyes to know that there are strategies out there. Um, there's some people way more experienced and way smarter than I am that are teaching classes or hosting webinars or doing events where they specifically talk about appraisal gap strategies. The only ones I shared with you were the ones that came top of mind. Right. And those appraisal gap strategies to me were all utilizing PMI or private mortgage insurance whether we, we do it up front, we pay it mm -hmm. monthly, we do split mm -hmm. premiums, just finding ways to, to say yes or raise the capital necessary and giving you, you all ideas of where someone could raise the capital necessary. I hope you found value in this particular episode. It probably wasn't the sexiest, probably wasn't the most fun. Um, John did his best making his jokes about uh, uh, being in college and going to Old Navy <laughs> and not taking the tags off him, uh, off his clothes, but no. Um, we appreciate you. Yep. We appreciate everyone tuning in. We'd love it if you would actually go check out the loanofficerpodcast.com. We have a yeah. hell of a lot of content. That's all, that's like, go to sales tools. And by the way, 
theloanofficerpodcast.com or TLOP online, T-L-O-P online.com. It's the same website. Yes, sir. Yeah, John's super smart. He bought both domains and they both point to the to the same exact direction. But go there, check out our sales tools. Mm -hmm. We have training videos galore. We have various trackers. We have various um, guides, cheat right sheets, there. guides. We have links to to all the loan programs. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of content. We're just getting started, but we'd love to have you check it out. Our goal is to make that one-stop shopping. Yeah, and it's also a good way to get in contact with us. It's mm -hmm. a good way to follow our social. You know, and if, if we missed a lot of relevant information as it pertains to um, appraisal gap strategies, let us know. Yeah. Like, there's nothing we can do about it now, but maybe there's something we can do about it in the future. Yes, sir. Speaking of the future, that's all the time we have for today's episode, John. Yep. But he's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Noe, and you've tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast, and we will catch you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.